Hello and welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. And Eric, you there? What? You know yes. what's you know what's cooler than thirty four million? Mm, no, actually, three hundred and forty million. All right, wait, are you saying that Fernando Tatis Jr. is ten times the player Justin Turner is? That certainly is, that's what the money says. Now, I will say this. I'm looking at a tweet right now because the Dodgers were recording this on Friday. They made official uh, Justin Turner's return to the Dodgers. uh, And the Oklahoma City Dodgers Twitter account retweeted uh, or quote tweeted um, the the news with like uh, hearts into what was supposed to be J and a T. But because the the line of the T is like over to the right. It looks like J seven. Uh, that's making me really laugh a lot right now. So, yeah. Um, so maybe, you know what? Maybe Tatis is 10 times a player based on that tweet alone. I don't know. Uh, mostly going to talk about the Dodgers and the things, but we'll talk, you know, the, the, are the, our friends down South are doing some exciting things. And I think that leads going to lead to, exciting baseball uh for for the dodgers to have uh you know a potential rival like that for quite a long time so we're going to talk about that the turner contract kind of peer into pitchers and catchers reporting baseball's actually going to be here you know covid depending depending on how all that goes but probably here and then questions from craig dodgers rewinds in some order like that all that after this with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So Justin, this is, this is the episode we thought we were recording last week. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, tell you what, we're going to record once Justin Turner signs. Well, and then we recorded like later in the week last week, uh, uh, or when Trevor Bauer signed, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, he's not like in our show notes because we sort of covered all that um, last time. I will say uh, he was asked several times during his press conference, Trevor Bauer was about, you know, his online behavior and all that. And I would, I would s- summarize his response as, um lacking <laughs> yeah yeah dismissive maybe like lacking uh, is kind this, i think this isn't the right forum like well when is the right forum trevor like i don't know he just seemed like someone put it like well if he waits to some, post it on twitter yeah. he can be more uh annoying right. about like, it yeah he, he which he did the, he's called the athletic a, a gossip blog basically now uh so he, he's got you know he's got stuff, but but whatever. Like that, that's here, neither here nor there. But you you sort of you saw what you're getting, uh, like all the way around. I think in that press conference. But uh, that said, uh, we're not like necessarily talking about that today, although it factors into some other stuff. But um, yeah, like uh, Justin Turner uh, signed. So w- we recorded that uh, last week, but then. Um, we got this weird thing where we heard the news directly from Justin Turner. Yeah. Like he you could tell Trevor Bauer wanted to do that, but didn't quite get there. But and, and, Justin and, did and it. My, 
in my mind, I thought he did like Bauer, and then I looked back and like John Heyman actually, yeah, uh, tweeted nine minutes before. And Bauer you could tell Heyman was rushing to get that out. <laughs> three words. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. You're right. Because right. remember we were we were discussing that last time. Was it Trevor Bauer or did you say? I think Bauer just to Bauer to Dodgers. Right. Yeah. So just like uh, like you, that's you're essentially like uh, tweeting uh, sort of thing there. But yeah. So uh, Turner tweeted out and he put an Instagram. The Instagram was a video of just his driveway, like the trunk of his car. And then him, he just walked or it was his uh, the turn down for what, uh, like a bat music. And he him putting his spring bag into the back of the car and then closing the uh, the hatchback. Uh, and uh, a note that Justin Turner, cool, uh, has a. An automatic closing hatchback, so that's kind of cool. I mean, I know that's pretty like that's relatively standard. It's not Does it you have don't need power it for <laughs> Yeah, you know, mm. he has, yeah, he has power steering. What? Like, <laughs> no. Uh, um, look, I've had three cars in my entire. Life. No, I, I, no, no, four. I, t- I take that back. I had four cars because I, uh, I killed my first car pretty early, and I took my mom's old car. But like, I've had two cars in the last. 24 years mm-hmm. so like so it's um oh, i'm right I'm, there I'm with you but he is you yeah. know a professional baseball player <laughs> that's right yeah and like like i said you don't need 34 million dollars to have a, 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 a automatically closing hatch yeah it's that's... just one of those things that well look for instance i have a cd changer in my car right now and, and one that doesn't work so which means i have a, which means i have a radio in my car and so you know uh, I've rented cars going to. Uh, we really got off the rails here. Uh, we, I, I rented cars, <laughs> rented cars going to spring training and stuff. There you go. And it's always it's always it a back. highlight. It's a highlight to like um, be able to like plug your phone. Play, yeah, exactly. Ooh. Play stuff. Play stuff from my phone or when I, it's so I feel like an adult uh, when that happens. But now, yeah, that's let's talk about. It. We're, welcome back to car talk, everybody. <laughs> oh, uh, fair city. So um, another thing, uh, I you know, I, this is kind of emblematic of the Dodgers in a way. Like they're they're fairly tight lipped about stuff. I know it's impossible to like, or truly like keep every bit of news out, but like they do like as good a job of, of any team as I've seen. Like Blake Trinan, remember his his contract? Um, that news broke when the Dodgers announced it. Like, like, hey, Blake, but what? Like, yeah, no one, you know, no one's people are out here. I like, mean, hey, between this and the Turner thing, you yeah. know, it's not universal, but like, the Dodgers have gotten this reputation. It seems to be well earned that like leaks doesn't don't come out of them all that often, right? So that, that's that's a, that's cool. Sort of. (laughs) I think it's mostly a good thing because if rumors were just flying, the offseason would be even more unbearable than it is. So, yeah, I would say this too. Like, um, it's it's generally good. No, like, like I don't know if even if your if your front office is bad, right? It, It really can't truly be bad if everyone shares like the same message, you know. Like, if you're good on the messaging part, like, that goes a long way. Like, even Mike Sosha, he took, you know, I guess, like, you know, statistically, like, I think he took a lot of crap as a manager. But, like, everyone praised, like, his leadership qualities. Like, he he absolutely ran the clubhouse. Like, there was no question. And, like, the org- part of or the organization as well. And, like, that's, like, the um, 
sort of the epitome is like everyone's sort of following the same uh, lead. And I think if you if you have everyone on the same page, that's a good sign. And I think that's generally a sign of that. Um, but in terms of like Turner, right, we've been like expecting this all year. It was kind of funny, like the Dodgers. It was a slow off season, and then like the last like week was like boom, 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 boom. Like like it was a lot of stuff, but like they didn't actually add an offensive player until just before Turner. Uh, or I guess, oh yeah, wait, did this happen? I'm losing track of time. No. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Friday after the, the Trevor Bauer press conference was last Thursday. Then on Friday, the Dodgers made two trades. Um, they were uh, relatively minor. Like, we, we've talked about this before, like, where I thought the Dodgers, they needed to add more than just Turner offensively, like, to improve their depth. I think they did that in one of the trades. They traded Adam Kalerik to the A's. Uh, they also traded Cody Thomas in that deal, minor league outfielder. Uh, got back um, Sheldon Noisy. That's how you pronounce his name. Um, N-E-U-S-E. I had to look that up, and it's amazing. Uh, so um, he is like the very the very sort of thing that everyone was going to is that he's the right-handed Max Muncy, sort of the, the boxy frame uh, coming from the A's, good uh, plate discipline. Dodgers trying to unlock the power a little bit. Uh, but he plays like kind of all over the infield, so that'll help. Uh, has options too, so like I think that he's more of a depth guy. They got a, another uh, like a right-handed uh, minor league pitcher who's one of the non-wrestler invitees, Gus Varlin, and then simultaneously the same day, so they lose a left-hander in Adam Cleric. They gained a left-hander by trading Dylan Floro to the Marlins. Uh, they got Alex Vestia from the Marlins and then a pitcher out of USC that the Marlins just drafted last year, Kyle Hurt. Now, Friedman, we just like literally just today since spring uh, training has opened, uh, we talked to Andrew Friedman today. Um, he sort of explained those deals as, um, you know, it, it was going to be hard conversation one way or the other, like that both both Floro and Cleric had options. So it wasn't like... Um, they they had flexibility and he it, he said they're both such it was like the Ross Stripling trade but in relief in a way, like um, that they he felt they were major league relievers and I think once you like you know decide to like upgrade the offense a little bit or the offensive depth and you have to give up floor to do or to give up cleric you have to sort of get a lefty back and I think that's why they did that um, so. I don't know. It, those were relatively minor, but then the Turner stuff happened right after that. So th those are the only two like offensive moves they made, but it's still like uh, they, they only of the offense. They only only is in quotes because it's still a loss, but they lost um, uh, Jock Peterson and Kiki Hernandez to free agency, but 16 players batted for the Dodgers last year. 14 of them are back. Uh, and, you know, Turner and Kike's, uh, not Turner, Peterson and uh, Kike's playing time had like waned a little bit um, in recent years. Like they were eighth and ninth in, on the Dodgers and played appearances last year. So the Dodgers get their top seven back. But also uh, so two of the more sort of sharper um, options off the bench, right? Like just yes. like, oh, you're, you know, you know, you're bringing a new reliever. Like <laughs> we have this guy ready for you. Uh, it'll be interesting right. to see who kind of takes on those roles in the new yeah, season. It, yeah, and we'll, I think we talked about this ahead of time. We're, we're going to uh, sort of take a stab at our uh, 
like opening day roster picks uh, at, at our next podcast. We have a lot of stuff to sort of get to this podcast. But so Turner happened, and uh, today both Friedman and Justin Turner said there were times throughout the offseason where they – like I think both of them um, – sort of wanted each other like wanted Turner back in Los Angeles and they were just sort of figuring out how to do it and they there were times where both were like maybe it's not going to happen but I think at the same time like uh the Dodgers made pretty clear to Turner's agent that they wanted it back and Turner very clearly wanted to be back so uh Turner's quote uh this is only a parts quote but it's part of it he said I'm back in Dodger blue like I was supposed to be and that's essentially the sense you got from all this and uh looks it looks pretty good and then i forgot too uh like the dodgers sort of uh handling like uh godfather 2 handling like all the business uh uh in a very like coordinated fashion in the last week or so they also avoided salary arbitration with the two players they had remaining uh walker bueller and austin barnes both got two-year contracts uh bueller for two years eight million um Barnes for two years 4.3 million Barnes it takes him through his um uh his final two beers, so he's going to be a free agent at the end of that Bueller has four beers, so I uh, just he's just going to be arbitration eligible for the last two years after that but it's sort of um like I don't know it just it, it sort of sets them up uh you know in a weird way like no, well, I'm going to talk about the like. They essentially have a two, not a, a two-year window is the wrong way to put it because they're they're a pretty strong organization overall. But like they 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 have very limited number of decisions they have to make this coming off season. Uh, but what what this these moves did do? They signed Turner, so Turner got two years, thirty-four million, which is actually a higher average uh, annual value than his last contract, which was, I think, a, a bit of a surprise, probably, just given that he's 36, um, and you don't necessarily always see that. Um, and then, obviously, the Bauer deal, where it was record-setting in terms of the single-year salaries, um, they are they have blown past the competitive balance tax. Uh, not only the, the first... Um, uh, first tier like the first threshold but also the second and the third so the 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 number is 210 million uh the dodgers are uh, at about 255 ish million right now and um so it you know they're the first rate is 20 percent for the first 20 million then it's 32 percent for the next 20 million after that it's 62 and a half percent so but like if you look at it uh the first 250 million it's 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 only 10 10.4 million in tax and then they pay 62.5% after that but like and then that's not a lot of money just generally the way friedman discussed it like said the things we've done the, the previous 3 years give us flexibility now uh and he talked about it at the bauer press conference too where they look at it like in a 3 to 5 year window so i don't know it just seems like uh they're they it's more of a like a cost they factor in uh, just generally they, the being in the higher tier now will uh, their neck, their 2022 first round draft pick will drop 10 slots and they lose about like a, like 10% roughly of the uh, international bonus pool, 500,000 um, for 2022. So, but I think they're okay with that just generally because they are bringing in good players and that's, 
like pretty much what you would want. Uh, I think that's, you know, that's sort of where we're at right now. So really the Dodgers are not only kind of set this year, but outside of some pretty marquee free agents upcoming, um, looking good for two years and, and in such a way that they kind of immediately get back under, um, to kind of avoid the, the recursive penalties. And it'll make for a really interesting offseason, I think, knowing that they have few but very critical needs that are, are coming up in terms of bringing back your Hall of Fame pitcher, uh, your starting shortstop, who, you know, is a potential perennial MVP candidate. And um, ostensibly, they'll be under actually under some sense of a, um, a tax, you know, payroll with the caveat being that um, who knows <laughs> what the, what the rules are actually going to be for all of that. Right. So the, the, there's so many like variables, like the, the CBA expires in December. We don't even know what the system is going to be for 2022 or if there's going to be a work stoppage and all that. Too. Yeah. When do, when do negotiations tend to like, when do you, mm-hmm. when do you expect them to start taking place? Cause the going <laughs> into, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, going no, into no, last no. year, we, yeah. you know, we're set up for a pretty, pretty damn contentious one. <laughs> Yeah, like I think uh, it, it'll be like I'm sure they'll have talks. I, I would imagine like the All Star Game, you'll sort of hear like maybe a preliminary, mm. like they've had things. But these always they just come down to deadlines. So like December first is when is it expired? They're not gonna like you know they're gonna be talking like once the season ends through November basically. But um. Like I, I just think they they always like wait, you know. They yeah. just and I think there's animosity. So like, who knows? I I just don't know. Like, um, I I don't have a real a real good sense of this. But like, um, w- just the decisions they do have to make though are um, excuse me, uh, are big. Like you mentioned, it's you know they they're basically down to these decisions for next year. It's Clayton Kershaw, Corey Seager. Chris Taylor, Kenley Jansen, and and to a lesser extent, Corey Kniebel. Um, those are like their five free agents. Uh, they only have uh, with with Barnes and Bellinger or Barnes and uh, Bueller sign. They only have uh, Bellinger, Urias, and Scott Alexander uh, for our next year. Plus Caleb Ferguson, who's out this year with Tommy John. That's not like a big thing. Um, even if you give those guys 50% raises in ARB next year and then counting everything they have under contract, their their CBT number for next year would be about $187 million. Now, I think if Kershaw, like, um, he talked to – did we talk about Kershaw on the last podcast or did, did Jorge Castillo's post not come out yet? I don't. I don't think we did. Okay, so he, uh, Jorge Castillo of the LA Times, went to Dallas uh, to visit Kershaw at his home, had two really good articles about it. Like, one was like his thoughts on just about everything. But the first one was like about his offseason and like his future. And like, he was, I would say, non, like, honestly, non committal. Like, it didn't seem like he was angling. Uh, it was just saying, like, like he, he wants he like he he appreciates 
like wanting to be like a Dodger, like for life. Right. But at the same time, he's legitimately concerned. Like his kids are starting school. Like his older kids are, he has a baby obviously too, but like he wants to be around for his kids. He said his, his father wasn't necessarily always like around when he was a kid. And so like being, it's going to be harder to like take, you know, summer you could, you could take the kids out and be wherever you're at. But like, um the other months of the season he's not going to be he wouldn't be around them so like that's that's hard like they just can't up necessarily up all and move to la where they also have a home so he was like just honest about it like it was like you know retirement doesn't it, it it's i don't think he necessarily would retire but it seems like that's not off the table um but and, also, like, and as the comes Rangers, up every single yeah. time he's, you know, has an, yeah. an opt out or whatever come out, he could quasi retire and become a Texas Ranger. <laughs> right. And so, and like, that would, I mean, man, that, that would be kind of surprising because they're bad. Yeah. Like, they're, you know, <laughs> I so call like, that semi retirement for reasons. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I don't know. It just, there, there's a, there's, there was just seeds of doubt in that article, I would say. Uh, I still think, like, from the Dodger standpoint, like they need to do like literally whatever it takes to get him to stay. Right. Like right. I, I know obviously there's concerns and those are legitimate. Like I'm not going to, I mean, that's great. Like, you know, that he wants to be their first kids. Like um, I just, I just think like from the Dodger standpoint, they, they have to do whatever it takes to like make sure he stays, I think, because if they if if they let him get away, if it was like a normal even if in a normal situation, it's pitchfork time. I think like everyone's going to say, well, you you know, they're going to he's not worth the contract because he's older and is it doesn't matter. It's Clayton Kershaw. You you make sure he ends his like career as a Dodger, I think. At the um, very least, his like, yeah, still very effective pitcher here. Right. And reading the article does seem like. And, you know, this is a thing that people say and who knows how true it is, but certainly is cognizant of the fact that he may not want to pitch when he's no longer good. But, you know, when he's in his age, sort of 34 to, you know, the next few years, you're going to get a very effective pitcher, you know, uh, all on all sort of foreseeable circumstances. So to let him be an effective pitcher somewhere else is is unconscionable. I will say I will say. It would be eat like 10x had the Dodgers not won the World Series. Like letting him leave without winning the championship would have been just un- yeah. un- unthinkable and 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 extremely pitchforking. So I think that allows it to be a little bit more. Maybe this is okay. And I think um, uh, the interview for it. Jorge kind of illuminated that. Like, hey, now that I won, <laughs> you know, it's sort of the last yeah. checkbox, um, and now it's just kind of doing it again, which there's a lot of merit to that. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just, uh, you know, but even that, like, so just factoring that in, right. I would say Kershaw is like the most likely of that group to I return. Would agree. And so adding him, even if you don't at re at like sign Seeger, they're going to sign like, well, I don't want to say a shortstop. I, I, I think they would sign an impact player because there's still like the Gavin Lux question mark where depending on what he does mm. this year and if they're comfortable, like just 
having him slide in and then signing a different position somewhere and doing it that way. Um, but I think they're going to add like at least two impact players. So what if the CBP threshold is similar, I think they're probably going to go over it for 2022. But that's like, you know, for but, them, who cares? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's the problem for tomorrow, Dodgers, not today. Like, <laughs> um, so that that, but the point is, like, they're they're really down to just a very few number of decisions with with a relatively similar team for the next two years. So, like that, that's sort of the 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 point we were getting at there. All right, so we we made a bunch of bets leading to the yeah. off season uh, on just predicting both the both. Uh, like who would come back or who would go where for how much money, but also we made a bunch of Super Bowl bets. So yeah, Ugh. these are rough. Um, <laughs> we, we we picked all the Dodgers contracts. There was another podcast where we picked like general free agents, and I'm so I'm throwing Bauer in there, and then also JT Real Muto. Um, uh, let's see. Um, okay, so just Tur- Justin Turner. He signed for two years, thirty-four million plus an option. Um, I said we both said he would come back to the Dodgers. Um, I said um, two twenty-six. You said two twenty-two. I think we're both far enough off on the money that neither of us get it. Like you could say it's a split, uh, but it, it, for from from a competitive standpoint, I don't think it matters. Like you know, we we both kind of were off on this one. Yeah. Um, so Kike. Uh, he signed for two years, fourteen million. We, I said he'd get one year, eight million. You said three years and thirty million. Yep. I said the Mariners. You said the Rangers. He signed with the Red Sox. I think we're both way, way far enough off that neither of us got that. Yeah, um, it's, yeah, it's kind like, of, uh, kind of the like combine different team, but combine our numbers, and we're kind of right there. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> we, 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 we provided the endpoint where it's like the arbitration thing, and they, and they, they, we, they met in the middle, and then I, I not quite geographically because uh, it would have been better if he signed with Texas and you said Boston, but like who knows? Um, okay, so for Jock, um, he signed with the Cubs for one year, seven million. I said one year, seven million, but with the Angels. You said one year, nine million with the Giants. I think I get that one just because I nailed the money. Um, oh, yeah. Like again, like the folly I think of that's this. Fair. Is the, yeah. So uh, we, we were. Uh, I, I'm inclined to to almost. I, I almost want to give you this one, except for the team factor. Blake Trinan, two years, seventeen and a half million with the Dodgers. Now I was off on the money because I said one million, one year, nine million, but with the Dodgers. But you you almost nailed the money two years sixteen million with the Rockies so I think this is a split just because I got the team right I think that's and fair. You, you you got the money right so like uh, okay now uh, the other speaking of getting the money right you said one year three million for Alex Wood you said the Braves you signed with the Giants but you win this one I said five million with the Reds so we're we're tied right now one to one with like three splits is as it were. But you took the lead, I think, uh, with uh, – oh, you definitely did, with Pedro Baez because you correctly said he would sign with the Astros. God, what a uh, – I don't know, like, I don't know why yeah. that sounded perfect, but it sounded perfect. <laughs> now, you um, – we both only said one year for him, and he yeah. not only got two years, but he – I said four million, you said five. He, his average – is more than both of those so we were way off yeah, on the money i think my theory here was that houston i knew houston uh w- would be looking to add bullpen arms Baez is a great bullpen arm 
uh, and that given their reputation, they may have to overpay a little bit to get what they want. And they did. Maybe, maybe uh, that's not necessarily fair to say, but certainly above our expectations. But you, you took the win there because uh, nailing the team. That's great. Um, the one I thought we missed the, the funniest was uh, Jake McGee, just because I said 4 million for a year. You said 2 million for a year. I said, Dodgers, you said giants. Oh, wait, you didn't say giants. Did you? I think I did. Right, maybe, I thought I maybe I typed that wrong. I'm, I'm going to look it up right now. Wow, because I, I have to About change to my notes. If it's, yeah, uh, I apologize if I got this wrong. No, you said Dodgers. Well. Oh, okay. I just typed it wrong in here. Okay, Dane. good. I was like, wait, <laughs> I got why excited. did I not give you this? So yeah, we both said return to the Dodgers, but he signed with the Giants for two years, seven million, which is our combined contract plus a million. So we. <laughs> We were way off. Um, I don't know. But then so Trevor Bauer, um, again, the folly of, of trying to predict some of these things. The market is so weird in many ways. Uh, no one was going to nail this contract. The, no. the three one-year deal, 40, 45 million, and then essentially a, a, like a mini, a mini one he's likely not to take. A, I screwed up and I'm really bad contract for the third year. Oh, and also, I forgot the best part about that. We didn't talk about this because the details weren't exactly out. So it was sort of reported that it's like Bauer is like 40, 45, and then uh, 17. It's not exactly like that. It's really like um, it's the weirdest one. Like it's essentially uh, $10 million signing bonus and then $32 million, $32 million, and $38 million. Uh, but the way the way it works, so my favorite part I think is this: Hit Bauer's 2021 salary this year is 32 million. Oh no, it's um, oh man, oh no, I screwed it up. It's it's 38 this year, uh, which is uh, I'm sorry, 10 million dollar signing bonus, 28 million dollar salary this year, and then 32 and 32 the next two years, but. His entire $28 million salary this year is payable on November 1st after the season. Now, if he opts out the, uh, at the end of the year, the Dodgers can defer $20 million of that. And I forgot the timing of that. It's like a long time into the future. But like, um, <laughs> so he doesn't get, he got the, he gets a $10 million signing bonus, but he doesn't get paid for the year until November 1st. Uh, if he opts out, he gets an extra $2 million. Um, so that's where the 40 million comes in, that it's only a one year 40. If he stays, uh, he's at 38 million for this year with bonus and salary. Next year is 32 million. Uh, but if he opts out, then he gets 15 million. So that's so next year is like essentially could be a 47 million dollar year. And then you add into the 38, that's where the 285 comes from. So it's a very like it's 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 a uh, I mean, you got to give credit. It, it's a very creative deal. Uh, but three years, 102 was the total. I said five years, 140. You said one year, 30. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's one of those where, again, we were we were so far off on both ends. And like you said, the Mets. I said the Angels. Uh, so, again, Man, I was close. He almost signed with the Mets and with a, with an average annual value that starts with a three. So you, you would have been. <laughs> now, the one thing I, I saved a little face here. Um, I said five years, 120 for JT Real Muto, but with the Blue Jays. He actually signed for five years, 115 and a half. 
So I'm giving myself that one. Uh, you said four one hundred with the Nationals, so I think I win that one. But like again, the the folly of this, like <laughs> nobody really won. This. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I, I think we're tied there uh, by by quick count, it, two to two, with five <laughs> sort of split you slash know, nobody wins. I, I think we did a little because I remember making these bets and just thinking like how because when we made these we had zero idea what the season would look like in terms of covid what the vaccine situation would be so we were really just taking steps in the dark so considering that and that's a big reason why i think the ones we missed were we were almost universally under is we were expecting maybe um, not so excited about the the vaccine situation cuz i don't even remember the vaccines were out by the time no. when we made these bets so, so the other thing too was um so seven free agents, not not counting Jimmy Nelson, who signed a minor league deal, but um, five of them got two-year deals. Where I, my strategy in that was, I had a two-year deal for Turner and one year for everybody else because I figured <laughs> I figured the market market would crater. And um, so again, we we know nothing. Uh, but yeah, it was it was fun. Now you did you did end up winning the Super Bowl, Woo! Uh, but, uh, largely unlike, off the yeah, anthem. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I just I forgot that we we uh, the way we, we sort of allocated the money definitely helped. I was I was uh, not a coward and I bet on everything. Uh, <laughs> no, but no, but I also that makes me I lost more. <laughs> um, so yeah, the anthem was definitely over. Uh, One fifty nine was the over under. It was two seventeen. Uh, you bet a hundred on that half of your money. I bet fifty. So. Uh, on the coin toss, uh, it was heads. I said tails, uh, thinking tails never fails, but tails did fail. Um, the team with the first uh, t- uh, touchdown, the team with the only touchdowns, were the uh, Buccaneers. This is uh, a bad game, by the way. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, like uncompetitive out, after yeah. like the second quarter, yeah. and Tom Brady won. Like that's <laughs> uh, that's that's just bad. Um, we both had the Chiefs there, so we were wrong. The first offensive play, I said it would be a run. You said it would be a pass, but you bet all of a dollar. Um, Strong which, which, again, all you have to do, it's like uh, it's the old joke, uh, someone putting on shoes uh, when a bear's about to chase 70. You can't outrun a bear. I don't I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. Um, <laughs> so 31-9 to nine was the final. We both had the under on fifty six and a half points, so I won twenty five, making a little comeback. You you won only nine. Yep. So at this at this point, it's uh, you have one ten, I have seventy five. But then, since the other only other bet was both of us having the Chiefs at minus three, they didn't win. Uh, they I didn't, had no they didn't do yeah. that. They yeah, we did. Even if we had the Chiefs at plus twenty one, we all we both would have lost. But um, so you won you won the Super Bowl. Congratulations, you are a champion. Tom Brady of Monopoly Super Bowls. Ugh, that'd now, be, what a bad situation that would be. Now, I have a question. I think this is relatively relatively easy. Okay. Um, who's the only player to play in the World Series and the Super Bowl? I will try to answer that after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
got your happy price, price line. Who is the only player to play in the World Series and the Super Bowl? Is it Deion Sanders? It is Deion Sanders. All right. Very nice. Um, so the World Series came first uh, in 92. He actually, so he, he played in the 93 NLCS with the Braves, uh, but they lost to the Phillies. Um, but uh, in the World Series against the um, Blue Jays in 92, he played in four games. He was uh, eight for 15 with two doubles, five stolen bases, <laughs> and two walks. So just an absolute impact player. Also, uh, after they won the NLCS that year, he threw water on Tim McCarver um, in a very famous scene that was replayed lots of times on the news. Um, now, in the Super Bowl, just a few years later, um, the 94 season and uh, with, the, with the Niners, uh, they beat the Chargers in the Super Bowl. And then at the end of the 95 season, after he joined the Cowboys, they beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl. So he won back-to-back Super Bowls. That was his in a just over a three-year period uh he he played in all uh in all in all in both things and in a total of three uh championships so good for him my mom has a, a beef with dion he was oh. uh, he and his he uh we were trying to board an airplane and like he was he was on the same plane or something like that but kept like I forget the exact situation, but it was such a set where it was my mom, my brother, and I, and she, something occurred where uh, him or his uh, entourage were like causing a separation between us and my mom, and she was not happy. So, <laughs> maybe, I'm sure uh, I'm going to get a text message in a day or two with I, I, I want to say, I, I misspoke. Uh, I'm claiming that Dion had three championships. He, the, he won the two football ones. The Braves famously lost that World Series to the Blue Jays in '92, but not not for any fault of Dion. I'll say that. Well, you got a Dodgers rewind for us. I do. Um, so, because Justin Turner resigned, uh, I looked up. I was this uh, happened like a month or so ago. I was looking up like where he looked on the Dodgers like all time third base list, and Turner is um, he's third in starts and fourth in games at third base. Uh, Ron Say and Adrian Beltre are the two that are ahead of him in starts. Um, Jim Gilliam has more games, but less starts at third. Gilliam played all over. Um, Cookie Lavagetto is in there too. Now, Billy Cox is fifth in both uh, starts, 612 and games, 663. Uh, he played uh, with like the boys of summer teams, basically. Uh, they acquired him from the Pirates in uh, December 1947. He came with Preacher Rowe um, and uh, a, a little known, uh, I believe, infielder named Gene Mock, who would go on to a distinguished managerial career. Um, now, uh, Dixie Walker was the, the main player going back to the Pirates. Now, Dixie Walker that year was one of the Dodgers who led the petition to like not play with Jackie Robinson. And so he was, you know, eventually like uh, traded away at the end of the year. Now, I, now Cox was also traded away from the Dodgers with preacher row in December, 1954. So Cox didn't play on the world series winning teams, but he did play in a few world series with the Dodgers. Um, now, Cox was their, you know, third baseman. 
Jackie Robinson ended up moving to third after Cox left. Um, I looked up Gene Mock too. Like now he, he this is just a, a dumb quirk thing. Um, he played five games at shortstop in 1944 at age 18. This was during World War II. He was two for 15. Then it took a, he never played for the Dodgers again. But like um, he was traded to the Pirates um, in May of 1947 in a five for one deal uh, that brought Al Gianfrido to the Dodgers. Um, Gianfrido was the guy who made uh, there's a very famous catch. I forget which game of the 1947 World Series it was. I think it was game four uh, where Joe DiMaggio hit like a drive that was sure to be like a. Uh, a multi-run extra base hit, but Algie and Frito tracked it down uh, right in front of the bullpen. Um, and so, yeah, part of that trade, this was the little quirky note. Uh, that five for one deal was uh, a player named Dixie Howell, a catcher. And then when Mock came back to the Dodgers that December, Dixie, another Dixie was in the deal with Dixie Walker. So I don't know, that just uh, stood out to me. Uh, but back to Billy Cox, um, he was a shortstop for Pittsburgh, and he was known for his defense. Um, the Dodgers had Pee Wee Reese, though, so that's why Cox played third. Um, Casey Stengel, I found this in his Sabre bio. Uh, after the 1952 World Series, which the Yankees won, but it was seven games, uh, he said of Billy Cox, he's not a third baseman. He's a blankety-blank acrobat. I'm, now, I'm imagining Stengel actually saying blankety-blank, and it makes it funnier. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> after the Dodgers traded uh, uh, Billy Cox at the end of 1954, Walter O'Malley, the owner, said, uh, we regard Cox as the greatest glove man we've ever had. So high praise uh, for Billy Cox. He was kind of a light hitter, though. Uh, 259, 320, 370 in his seven years. 82 OPS plus, so in 46 home runs, but so good on defense that um, didn't really matter. He The most home runs he hit with the Dodgers was 10 in 1953. He hit 15 home runs with the Pirates in 47. Um, now, he played in three World Series with the Dodgers, uh, 49, 52, 53. He didn't really start in the 49 one. He was full-time in 52, 53. He hit 302, 351, 453 in 15 games, so he did well there. He scored the game-winning run um, uh, after singling in the 11th inning of Game 5 in 1952. Uh, Duke Snyder doubled him in. That, they were on the road at Yankee Stadium. Now, the Dodgers led that series at this point and never won a championship. They led the World Series 3-2, going back home for two games, uh, but they lost 3-2 and 4-2 in the last two games, and they lost that World Series, even though uh, Cox was a blankety-blank, uh, what do you say, blankety-blank uh, acrobat. <laughs> and, uh, so they, they, they couldn't quite win. Now, I, perhaps this is why uh, Cox was traded. Uh, perhaps not. Um, I just thought this exchange was kind of funny and ironic and probably untrue. Uh, but um, <laughs> so someone... Uh, called Cox like a low he was in Pennsylvania he lived in Pennsylvania a local reporter called him and said like asked him about his contract and he said no, uh, no I haven't sent it back yet or I forgot what happened but he ended up um, signing for 19,000 he got a, a raise of about a thousand uh, and you know back then there was no option right you just 
you're either playing or you're not playing and that's the team right like you could get traded but you really had no agency in this now buzzy babasi the dodgers gm in the brooklyn daily eagle um after um Doc signed he sort of explained it I, i'm going to read this from the brooklyn daily eagle february 1954 all that happened, he said, was that some newspaper man down near his home called him up and asked him, how about your contract? Did you send it back yet? So Billy told him, no, not yet. Billy told me that's all I said. I didn't say I wasn't going to sign it. So I asked him, what about it? Are you going to sign it? And he said, well, I don't know. I didn't get a raise. And then Buzzy Bass said, what do you mean you didn't get a raise? I told him, go look at last year's contract. So he checked and came back to the phone and said, hey, you're right. I apologize. So as... As is the case with most Buzzy Bavese stories, especially when it comes to money, Buzzy Bavese has set himself up as the protagonist of the story uh, and the hero, uh, as it were. Uh, but I remember one of the best articles I've ever re- read uh, was 1967. <laughs> yeah, in in, um, in Sports Illustrated, Buzzy Bavese had like this multi-part series where he's just like essentially bragging at like um, getting over on players and stuff. He talked about like the, the Kofax and Drysdale holdout and stuff, but uh, I'm just going to read this excerpt because this is sort of the shenanigans that Bavese would pull and why you shouldn't necessarily take him at his word when he's talking about these contract things. Uh, this is from sports illustrated 1967. Uh, Tommy Davis had just won the National League batting championship, and the next day I told my secretary, Ed DeWard, to fix me up a phony contract calling for 9000 for Tommy Davis. I told Edna, now when that stubborn kid comes into my office today, wait about 10 minutes, then call me outside so I can leave him in there alone. I carefully put the Davis quote-unquote contract on my desk where it could be seen, and I marked its exact position. The kid came in, and he he and I talked for a while. Then Edna came in and said, Mr. O'Malley wants to see you for a minute. Oh, excuse me, I said, and I stepped out. I gave it about five minutes. Then I coughed loudly and walked back into my office. I'm just going to insert here. This is a sitcom, right? Like this is like, <laughs> um, uh, Sure enough, the fake contract had been moved. All of a sudden, this kid is saying, all right, Buzzy, maybe I'm being unreasonable. He said he would sign for 12000 I wound up giving him 18000 Now, again, Buzzy Macy painting himself as the hero of this story because he, he like, didn't screw over the player as much as he could have, I guess. But then the, this is the, the, the quote that uh, from Bavese that just got me. I've pulled that phony contract stunt a dozen times, and I'll do it every chance I get because this war of negotiation has no rules. And then he said, the ball player, ball players pulled dirty tricks on me, too. And if I hadn't been snoop, if that kid hadn't been snooping around my private papers, he'd never have fallen <laughs> for the trick in the first place. So that's I mean, uh, something about uh, the phrase snooping around my private papers makes me laugh. But also, like uh, he, he would have his way uh, said, I made sure the contract could be seen. It's not not plain sight, Buzzy. Mm-hmm. So I believe that's entrapment. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I just thought that was funny. But back to Cox. Um, so. 1954 also uh that was walter austin's first year and essentially like cox was almost like a a part-timer more of a utility man he only played 77 games um and then another quirk uh so uh he and preacher row were traded on december 13th and it cleared a room on the i guess the 40-man roster at the time um 
for to sign a, a bonus baby, and the next day they signed a kid out of Cincinnati named Sandy Koufax. So sort of linked up there. Uh, Cox played 11 years in the majors, uh, Pirates, Dodgers, and Orioles in 85 um, OPS plus. But with his defense, he ended up uh, putting up 10 war over those over that time. Now, uh, Cox, he was also a heavy smoker. He died of esoph- uh, esophageal cancer in 1979 or 1978. He was 58. Now, I thought this was like heartbreaking. Um, Preacher Rowe and he were good friends. This is also from his Sabre bio. Uh, when Preacher Rowe heard from a teammate that Cox had passed away, he phoned Anna Cox asking why she hadn't let him know. She told him that was that he was the one person Billy didn't want to see the ravages of the illness had worked on his body. It's like, oh, man, that's heartbreaking, you know? Um, so I have trivia for you about Billy Cox. Don't like this I, one. This I was, so it's not necessarily, it's actually not about Billy Cox, but Billy Cox did start four opening days for the Dodgers at third base. That's the same number as Justin Turner, which, which will presumably go up, uh, with him signed for at least two more years and possibly three. But, uh, Turner's opening, uh, Turner's first game as a Dodger was opening day in 2014 in Australia. He started at second base. Um, now including Turner, there are 12 Dodgers to start opening day at both third base and second base. How many can you name? Quick aside while I try to think of more names. Uh, I, I actually bet that game. I was in Vegas for the Australia Ah. series. Uh, and I accidentally, I won. I, I part, if I remember correctly, I parlayed Harvard, plus 16 oh my god yeah <laughs> against uh, michigan state or someone and it was march madness going on oh yeah uh and uh and then <laughs> uh but i accidentally i meant to just bet the 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 money line on the dodger game but i accidentally bet first five any money line because uh, oh. i didn't i misread the bet but th- th- i won it was good <laughs> yeah well yeah i had kershaw on the mound yeah, so you, yep, were, you yep. were good <laughs> uh it's fun uh so i i we i asked you a few weeks ago um uh about like who is sort of the most iconic uh second baseman in your your lifetime uh and we we talked about how hard that question was just because there aren't a lot of sort of that, that's kind of the one position where it's kind of been a rotating door so i hate this question um yep. also every third baseman or second baseman i think of i can't really see playing the other position so i have i have a, a few guesses by yep. by that i mean two um uh jackie robinson that is correct uh, you, uh, i cheated you told me <laughs> you essentially told me that oh that's the, right see okay. i listened so, to the dodger rewind i learned these 48, things on that. 48 to 52 he started at second so five years and then he started three years at third so he, he is actually the most prolific um in in terms of both positions uh five at second base three at third base and that's the only one i know for sure and it's because you told me um quick aside it's not davy lopes but i and i knew it wasn't but i looked him up anyways i really close in 73 he played third base i think his only game ever at third base for the Dodgers. uh on the third day third game uh now it was a defensive he came in as a pinch runner and then played third but still so close yeah um, so I just have names of people that I don't know enough about to rule them out. So I'm just going to say two names that fit that description. Steve Sachs. Nope. Uh, Jim Gilliam. 
Yes. Uh, ah, now, I got two. Now, I'm I, happy. I'm I, done. I mentioned him as the one of the, the game's leaders at third. That said, he only started once opening day at third in 1960. He did start uh, six times at second base on opening day from between 1953 and 1964, sort of spread out there. I um, am shocked there's 10 more. Like That's, so, that's look, really surprising uh, to me. I, I was also shocked. Um Actually, there's only nine more because Justin Turner's one. So, like, I'm if you had you said, Justin like, Turner. just expanded this at all, okay, 12, but specifically opening day, like, just didn't seem like there'd be many. I'm uh, excited to hear the rest of the names. I will tell you, uh, if you want to guess two more, uh, two more you've seen. <sighs> I was hoping also, you wouldn't say also that. <laughs> the, also, the most, the, relatively the most shocking. <laughs> Um, Kike didn't, right? No. Yeah, he uh, second base. I know, but um, uh, Blake Dewitt wasn't around long enough to have two opening days, right? I'm giving you that because he was. Oh, um, his, his very first game was starting at third base in 2008. That was, I believe, uh. Man, am I thinking about this right? Was that both Nomar and Andy LaRoche getting hurt like on the same play at the end of spring? Um, so, yeah, 2008 and then 2010, he started at second base. Wow. <laughs> and and then, then he was basically out after that. Like, you know. uh, That's it. I'm tapping out. I'm excited. So that one I was surprised at because I didn't. Rem- I mean, look, I remember Blake DeWitt, but I I guess the quirk <laughs> of that I did not remember. He, but he one, was actually one of the first people I thought of because I got I'm like I'm like I remember him playing third and second, but I didn't think he would have actually made two opening day rosters. But those teams uh, weren't weren't the best. The other one that shocked me, Logan Forsyth. Um, <laughs> so obviously they brought him in to be the second baseman in 2017. And then Justin Turner broke his hand in 2018, and he ended up starting at third. I, I, I remember all that happening, but I would not have guessed that he started. Uh, I, if you had given me an over-under of like 0. 0.5 yeah. <laughs> opening days, I guess I, maybe I, I take the over. But I remember one, but if I said 1.5, no way i take the over. Logan Forsyth was with the Dodgers for a season and a half, and he started two opening days in yeah. two different positions. So, um, Now... Like, I expected this list to be small, and it was yeah. not small. Um, so, the aforementioned Cookie Lavagetto um, mm. started four games at four opening days at third, and then 1937 at second. Um, Ivy Olsen, uh, last year I did a, um, uh, a series on the 1920 Dodgers, the second, uh, it was the 100th anniversary, the, the their second pennant winner. Uh, he was the second baseman on that team. Uh, he started four opening days, no, three opening days at second, um, and he started 1917 at third base. Uh, he was essentially, I think, their leadoff hitter for a while. The other one that is relatively well known, but you know, not necessarily that he started opening day there, Jim Lefevre, um, uh, 1965, 69, and 72 at second base, 66 and 67 at third base. So he was kind of all over. The other ones I wouldn't expect you or me or anyone to know <laughs> uh but good names whitey appleman uh i know alperman yeah oh appleman uh, would have been better. yeah um 1907 to 1909 uh andy high 23 and 25 um 
Milt Stock, uh, 25 and 26. And then uh, Sammy Strang, 1903 and 1904. So it's, it's quite a list. Hey, you know what? What is it time for something? It's time for with Jens and Craig. We love them. Five questions. We love from it, Craig. <laughs> Let's start off with a debate on who will have the better season for their new teams. Eric, uh, why does he get to assign? I want to pick. Uh, I'll let him have I'm, his fun. I'm, I'm Eric, at him too. You get Nolan Arenado, uh, the Cardinals' new the third baseman, and I get the jewel of the Mets' new players, Francisco Lindor. So I, I'm mad because I would have picked Lindor if forced to choose here. Um, but the argument for uh, Arenado is just that he's great all around, uh, mm-hmm. offensively and defensively. He, like last year, he struggled offensively, but again, 60 game season, not really holding anybody to that. Um, I think he's the total package. Like, so I'm. So last year, right? Like, I'm, I'm going off Baseball Reference War. It's a very quick and dirty uh, thing here. He had 1.6. That's a 4.3 over a full season. That would that was his, that would have been his lowest since 2014. His other his his last five years before that, these are his Baseball Reference War: six point three, five point nine, six point six, five point nine, six point seven. He's just been consistently excellent, and I think he's going to go to the Cardinals, and they're going to he's going to be like great because that's what the Cardinals do <laughs> and so like I, I that's my argument for Arenado that said I, I am a huge Francisco Lindor fan uh, so I'm excited to for you to say why he's going to be better so if you go for I actually might have taken Arnado just because if you go <laughs> over war um, he beats uh, Lindor I think every season except 18 uh, like quickly checking I think I think that's right Mm-hmm. Uh, 16 they're close in 16 um uh and and also he was in wh- what a just awful situation in colorado and he still even on an off season uh, had more war than francisco lindor no that said no one's you know i can't imagine anyone's super excited to play for the indians especially knowing especially knowing like his name had been in trades just for for quite a while and unlike sometimes when that happens where it's, oh that's just baseball he he knew he was going to get traded, like just as the way the owners operate. Um, uh, so may, may th- that will pun up. Um, but also just like, uh, you know, if we actually made this a bet, would we do war? Oh, um, do you, you want to let's if we do war, let you want let's do the average of baseball reference and fan graphs. Okay, that sounds good. Okay. Yeah, and I also was just looking at baseball graphs, and then you know, totally could be a thing, especially these players that have um, so much of their value comes from I, I, some combination of defense and um, position. Uh, I, I've noticed mm-hmm. that there's that's where the difference really kind of strikes uh, between the two. So yeah, l- let's do that. I have to argue for Francisco Lindor. I, like he has to be like the the Mets deserve this. They deserve a star. And he, you know, what better one to fill that role, especially when he presumably is going to get a ginormous contract. Like, he has to expect that contract extension is coming because uh, the Mets need a star player like that. And what better way to reward them than just, like, winning the National League MVP? 
that's they're they're trying they're last time their i bet. did this they're Mookie bets. yeah yeah last time i did this uh that player ended up winning the world series mvp so hopefully that doesn't happen but uh, he yep. can he can win the world just choose an award that's fine he could what if what if uh francisco lindor wins nlcs mvp on a losing team that would be great. After losing in like seven games to the Dodgers, despite hitting eight home runs in the series or something. Oh, we didn't talk about uh, Tatis's contract at all, despite me teasing it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, we we could just briefly talk about it yeah. because I. That's a uh, lot so, of what a cool con. What like that's the thing where like as a like purely competitive Dodger fan, you're like, oh no, the you know a, a division yeah. rival is getting stronger, but. At, outside of that every other aspect of things that i love about baseball how good is that it's good for for the labor it's good for the player it's good for baseball it's good for the division yeah it's exciting like it's like I, like i was telling uh in the comments at, at true blue la like how exciting is it to be like a Padre fan right now? They're, yeah, no they're just like making every move they literally they have two three hundred million dollar infielders right now um like Tatis is awesome, right? And and like he, so he's only at like two years of service time. So it's like by far the earliest as an ever as anyone has ever like signed this kind of a deal. But also fourteen years, holy crap! <laughs> and and uh, like, there's no opt outs. There's no um, uh, I there's like a, I think it was no trade. I forget. But like, it, it's it's not like the the Arenado deal where um. They just randomly inserted an opt-outs that complicated everything. Uh, this is just a straightforward, like, holy crap deal. Um, and, like, it's it's great. Like, And, you know, so he has, like, four years of essentially his what would have been uh, a pre-arb year and then an arb year. Um, and then um, it's, like, 10 years. And, like, I think it, w- it worked out to, like, 10 years, 306 after that. So he essentially got the Machado uh free agent contract almost um i don't know so like in addition to that so very good like i was very surprised uh by that now uh we talked about like um justin turner's press conference today he was asked about like the padres moves like getting the all the pitchers and then uh making the moves they did and signing tatis um he said um what did he say? I'm looking up, trying to look up his quote here. He's oh, it's exciting watching what they're doing. I think it's good for the game of baseball. They're going out and being aggressive and going for it. It's good to see teams doing that. The way uh, I think the way I look at it now is I'm back here with the Dodgers. We're going to get 19 World Series games this year, so it'll be a good test for us in prep, good preparation to get ready for the playoffs. So I thought that was a nice, nice sort of way to look at it. Um, so yeah, it's those. I mean, I was looking at this too. Um, uh, Fangraphs um, has the Dodgers uh, projected for 99 wins and the Padres for 95. The only team higher than the Padres is the Yankees at like by like a half a win. Um, on Pakoda, it's the same thing, so the, a little bit bigger of a spread. The Dodgers are on Pakoda projected for 104, <laughs> uh, and, and, and which is crazy. Uh, but like and the Padres are 95, the Yankees are 98. So, like, you essentially have two of the best three teams in baseball, you know, uh, in the same division. And at the moment, only fighting for one spot. <laughs> We've seen 
how that can change on a dime if, if players and owners agree to it. But um, it's it's exciting. Like that that's an awesome like pennant race, you know. Uh, and that like they like they play each other 19 times, so that, that that's going to be exciting. So yeah, that, that's just a overall like great, relatively like great for baseball. Uh, but yeah, good, good for the Padres, uh, for like going for it. That's, you have to sort of commend that, uh, given how many teams, you know, don't try. So second question, uh, this is going to get a little confusing, but I'm going to explain it. You and I are going to do a snake draft. Yep. We're going to pick between, um, uh, a list of teams that Craig gave us and we are, uh, the bet is combining our teams, total amount of wins through the end of April. Okay. So how well so, are they going to the hot starters? We're picking some hot starting teams. So the teams, real quickly, are the Cardinals, the Blue Jays, the Brewers, the Nationals, the Angels, the Reds, the Phillies, the Indians, the Cubs, and the Red Sox. Okay. Um, I get I get the first pick because I'm great. Okay, I'm I'm grabbing something so I can keep track of these. Yep. You ready? Yep. Um, the Blue Jays. I just realized um, this this year um, there's no March games. So I, I know like when you do like a split and it says March slash April, like it's just counted. It's generally counted as April. Yeah. But like this year, it's just straight April since April 1st is opening day. Um, so you took the Blue Jays. Um, okay. Um, I guess... You get two picks. I, oh, snake draft. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I, I I will take the Cardinals and my new favorite Nolan Arenado, who's going to have a better year than Francisco Lindor. Um, <laughs> and I think uh, I didn't even. I'm not checking schedules. I don't know if the Cardinals are are playing the Brewers a bunch. In the yeah, movie, no, movie I was thinking bad. about them. Like, if I really wanted to win this bet, I'd be looking at strength of schedule. Yeah, so, but I think it's better to not. Um, I guess the Brewers. I'm going to take the Brewers, okay. I, but I'm not I'm not too enthused about it, honestly. Um, I'm going to take the Nationals mm-hmm. and the Phillies because Bryce Harper yeah. is also I, always super hot in April. I, I almost took the Phillies, but I didn't want to take them that early. Um, okay, so I, 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 I'm I not rel- that high on the Angels. However, I do think they raised their floor a little bit. Hopefully not getting awful, as many awful starts as they got. And I still think their offense is pretty good. So I, I'm going to take the Angels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm denoting them as I'm writing them down as Anaheim. Um, <laughs> and then... Um, <sighs> okay, and then I, I'm going to take the Cubs. Okay, I was I, Cubs were on so my slate, co- covering all the central teams apparently. <laughs> and NL Central is, is my division now. Uh, I will take the the Reds and the Indians, and leave you with the Red Sox. All right, so you get the two Goodyear teams uh, for spring training, and they're. Huh. All right, nice. I, I, uh, That's right. right. They are going to have good years, or at least that, good April. Oh, oh. Nice. I, that that this, that'll be a bet that we forget about until May, and then go. Oh yeah, let's check back at that bet. Okay. Like the it. last calendar year plus have seen the Dodgers make two big transactions: the acquisitions of Mookie Betts and Trevor Bauer, 
Rarely do I ever think of an MLB team as World Series or nothing, but is that the right mindset for Dodger fans this season? I mean, yeah. Like uh, yeah, normally, I, I, like I, I don't think I don't think that's the right attitude to have your team every single year, uh, as you know the Yankees fans of yours kind of had for a while. But like, especially if they don't bring back Caesar, you can kind of dial things back again and just be you know like you know you still obviously are may you know depending on what they do, def certainly possibly the best team in baseball, um, and certainly a possibility. But like, they're so especially that Bauer deal. They're so like this is a year and we're going for it. So I think it's completely fine to have that be the expectation. Obviously, still enjoy it if it doesn't happen like that. And I and as I've mentioned many many times, I can't speak for all fans, but for me, the pain of losing in the playoffs, while it will be there, will be so much less having than last year. Um, that said, just in terms of rational expectations, I think it's gotta be. Yeah. I, they're definitely, ex- the, the problem is they're like, like sort of expected to win, but it's, it's, it's like literally impossible to expect someone to win. Sure. Like, I don't think that's a, a fair expectations, yeah. but I think it's a fair mindset yeah. for fans. Yeah. Like, that, that's yeah. I don't think like, I just, I don't think it's possible to be that disappointed if they don't win the world series this year, like you said, because they won last year. Like that's a huge like psychological and mental burden that was bit, that it's lifted, and I think you have to like find things to appreciate because otherwise and, that's that's the and, path for and madness. If Dave, right? like, Dave Roberts manages like he did in Game Six of the uh, World Series. Uh, writers are going to have a hard time, like nothing to write complain about if they lose. <laughs> I mean, they will obviously, yeah. but like with you know oh. fraudmen Twitter and and shambles with all the moves they've made. Well, uh, the one. The one like sort of uh, pitchfork brigade or, or torches are uh, yesterday uh, was the first uh, pitchers and catchers workout. And we talked to Dave Roberts and just because it's the first day uh, he was asked about closer and he said, uh, Kenley Jansen is uh, his closer. Uh, but like <laughs> in a way, like he said it in a way that was like that made it very clear that Kenley has to pitch well to still yep. be the closer. And, and, and that's like, what it should be. And that's what it should be. I think I, like, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the quote. Okay. Um, I believe we're at our best. If Kenley is closing for us, uh, Robert said, uh, but that's a with that really said, good way of putting that. <laughs> yeah. But we have a lot of viable options to finish games. And then I'll, I'm going to go down a little further. Cause he said more. Um, I think he's earned the opportunity to start out as our closer. But at the end of the day, I want the guys that are pitching the best to finish the game. And Kenley understands that that's as clear as you could be. Right. Like, and so, and like he's, we've seen like Roberts, he's going to give Kenley rope, obviously. And that's fine to do in the regular season. It's totally fine. (laughs) We've seen him like turn away from him if he needs to, like, Last year, like the Dodgers had four other players get saves in the postseason, including the last two games of the World Series, Trinan and Urias. And um, and like in 2019, he he well, he went to Joe Kelly for two innings, but uh, <laughs> but like oh, they, you know damn. they they have they have some options. So like I I think um, that that'll be like the one thing that'll get people up in arms. But I think you're right. Generally, like they have a they're as well set up. Uh, as anybody, I think, in baseball this year and, and probably next. We all miss going to the movies. Can you recall the first, the very first movie you saw in the movie theater and what made that memorable? Um, 
I don't. I can't recall specifically. I like. I don't like. I don't know my first baseball game, and I don't know what my first movie was. The first movie I remember um, was, I believe, uh, Jaws 3D. <laughs> oh, uh, and, and, and and I and I remember like thinking, what, like being scared, <laughs> like uh, during that. Like I'm I'm, I'm going to look up exactly because I think yeah. So I was seven when that movie came out, and there's no way I should have been able to see that in a in a in a movie theater, but um, yeah, I was seven years old. So that's bad. Plus I hate 3d movies. Well, especially imagine 1983 technology, 3d movies. That's, that's like, that's bad. That's bad news. Um, I, I just don't like wearing the, the stupid glasses. And back then they were like the paper glasses. So like uh, uh, the other sort of fun early movie memory that I, that I have is um, I saw red dawn with my mom and grandma in the theater <laughs> And like that's a very weird movie to see, like with with parental <laughs> units. Uh, it was so yeah, kind of funny. I, I I'm sure it's not the first movie I saw in theaters, but the first I remember is Oliver and Company. And I think the oh, reason man. why it's stuck is that I had a stuffed Oliver. So I think just having that kind of permanent thing kept it kept that memory in loop long enough that it made it to you know. Uh, when did that come out? 80, 88. So I was, wow, I was two. Uh, but I do wow. have that memory. Um, that and, is and it amazing. is scant. Like, like it just, it flashes. And I think yeah. that that's the reason. And the reason why is that, you know, by the time I still had the stuffed animal in, you know, elementary school and still kind of recalled it. Do you, so you remember more Oliver than the company? Final question. One constant about going to Phoenix for spring training was getting breakfast at a chain coffee shop or diner. So for Eric, oh man, I, this would have been Melissa and I having debates on whether or not we bring drive to, we were not bring Eleanor on a plane uh, <laughs> um, this young, but we would have debated driving to Phoenix. Yeah, um, yeah. Probably wouldn't have done it. Probably would have waited another year or two, but would have been on yeah. the table. Uh, so this question is going to bum me out. So for Eric and Jacob, if you could design your TBLA slam breakfast combo, what would it be? Note, you can have as many uh, as three meats, egg, no egg, potatoes, and some type of bread, pancake, waffle, French toast additions. Drinks can also be mentioned. Oh, man. Uh, do you want to? Yeah, I, I got this. Go I got this. It's, yeah. it's, it's, if I mean, uh, so I like breakfast food, but I have, um, a, 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 an egg allergy so i can't have eggs um ah. so when i when i am eating healthy and at, at a breakfast only joint things get rough because <laughs> yeah. i um you know i can have a certain amount of of the really bad meats um and be fine with it but not too much so but that said i don't i if i eat too much bacon and sausage i start to feel sick anyway so i'm gonna say two strips of bacon one sausage link a side of biscuits and gravy and um let's go with a waffle okay um and a diet so i love i love um breakfast a lot um (laughs) i i I had uh you know before the pandemic i would meet regularly in orange county with my cousin and my uncle and aunt and their family um at a little place in mission viejo uh, we eat there a lot. It's a, it's a, it's a burger place, but it's like a, a, a very classic hole in the wall diner type place. Um, so man, 
I mean, scrambled eggs, it's like the only way I like eggs pretty much, and, but I, I do love them. Um, you know, I would say I, I like adding um, like mushrooms and eggs or mushrooms and spinach or something or tomatoes in there. It doesn't have to be an omelet, but like if it's just eggs, it's fine. But like if it's that, it's great. Um, I like having, um, let's say, two strips. Is, is he saying three meats like total or like um so you pick two bacon I, and one I am ignoring any and all restrictions i'm getting the slam okay. i want <laughs> because in in you know in a classic thing it's 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 either two or three of each of bacon and and sausage links but let's let's say two so i don't like get calls and be like why are you eating so much for breakfast um but this, this is an ideal thing so shut up uh, but no um <laughs> So yeah, two two strips of bacon, two sausage links, and I like the links. The patties are fine, but the links are links better. Links are the way to go. Now, potatoes. Um, I didn't mention potatoes. Are, I would get uh, uh, for sure like diner style hash browns with yeah, some cheese so, and some hot sauce, some ketchup. Oh, with cheese. Okay, so so I don't. I generally don't get like the cheese. I'm not oh, opposed so to good. it. It's so but, good. Diner style hash browns are so good. So and, good. <laughs> but the, the sort of like if you had to do it um, and it's it's a fine substitute is like, um, you know, just like home fries. Well, yeah. Or diced, yeah, diced potatoes with like, um, you know, may, probably on, some onions and maybe some peppers. Yeah. Uh, but like, but yeah, I think you just have to. I like the the diner hash browns, which are perfectly crispy on the outside, and, and um, yeah, it's just great. I like I I do use hot sauce. I would I kind of put hot sauce on everything. Yeah, eggs, potatoes, even the the bacon and sausage. And I don't. I'm not a big. That said, I I don't like to do the all like. If I'm having pancakes or waffles, and I would choose waffles over the, I, I don't mind either, but like that would be the breakfast mostly. I don't like mm -hmm. that. I that's I generally don't like having that in addition to that. It's, I view it, it as like kind of the dessert. <laughs> I, I yeah. eat everything else, and then I have a, a waffle for dessert. So, but here's key, a, here's a key thing yeah. though for me, and why you need to have something in that is uh, otherwise you look like a weirdo when you get uh, syrup for your sausage. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's yeah. Well, if you go to a place that has syrup at the table, that's fair. Like, fair, yeah. Um, so, um, <laughs> I I would I think I would go English muffin or bagel here. But if I had to just choose one, I'd say oh, English muffin. That biscuit off. I know I said biscuit and gravy, but even if you weren't going to give me the gravy, it'd still be a biscuit. Uh, bi yeah, biscuits and gravy are wonderful too. I'm, I'm making uh, biscuits tonight. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go research my recipe. I say you've been making your own bread, so like that, that's gonna be. You're gonna be. Do, you're gonna do great. Um, so for drinks, though, if for a breakfast, um, I, I I I can, you know, it could be like whatever. But like if if I'm going out for breakfast, um, I don't. I'm not a big coffee drinker at all. But the the times I get coffee are like maybe if I go out to breakfast. So like I want to say if this is like an ideal breakfast, I think I would get an orange juice and a coffee. See, um, I'm, I'm I love coffee, but I actually don't like it with hot breakfast meals. It's just too oh. hot, and I like a cold drink to to be refreshing. And um, that, that, 
that said, when I meet up with my with, with, on that Mission Viejo uh, Sunday breakfast occasionally, which I haven't done in almost a year, um, I would get, I, I get a soft drink because they whatever's like they have a it it's actually either either like uh, for there I believe given what they have I either get diet coke or um raspberry iced tea. Mm. So but they also have chunk ice there uh or pellet ice excuse me. Um so that's another reason why I love that place. All right. That's it. Wow. Um so yeah, I'm going to go and uh, go drive somewhere that has breakfast. Uh, I'm going to go to my car that doesn't have an automatically closing hatchback. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks, and we're going to uh, predict some opening day rosters. Thanks for listening. And don't drive like Eric. <laughs>